Welcome to the Martinskirk Podcast, a publication of sermons and lessons from Trinity Reformed Church of Martinsburg. Trinity Reformed exists to declare the victory of Jesus Christ through worship and practice to the ends of the earth. To learn more about our congregation, visit martinskirk.com. Our sermon passage this morning, as we plod along through the epistles of John, comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-6. through 6. Hear the word of our Lord. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And may we understand what it means to see Jesus as he is, to walk in the light of Christ, and to live in light of that hope, that hope of the redemption of our bodies and the salvation of our souls. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Now there's an underlying assumption Um, regarding the Lord's final appearing, His second coming, um, that has taken hold of the American Christian culture. Maybe you've heard some of the various phrases and terminologies that are associated with this view, that express this view. Things like um, when somebody sees something on the news and says, come Lord quickly, right? We We have that desire for Jesus to come right now to fix all things. Maybe you've heard people say, well, it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter that this is happening. The, the world's going to burn up anyways, right? You've heard this expressed by maybe your friends or family members. And this is an underlying view of the end of the world in our culture. And we, can, we want to escape from the trials and the troubles that we experience as Christians. We have that inner desire to just leave this, this world and be with Christ. We want to escape all the struggles and troubles that we encounter. Our hope is only that one day we won't have to deal with, with all the sin and death in the world around us. Not necessarily us, right? But around us. But is this really our hope? Is this really what we hope and long for as Christians? Is this what we should hope for? Is our hope really only that one day we won't suffer? Now this is certainly part of that hope. Right? This is a part of the hope, for sure. But the hope that St. John describes here in the epistle is one that when Jesus appears, we will see Him as He is, and that we will become like Him. That we will become like Christ. That is our hope. This means that we will no longer suffer. That is, that is an underlying assumption in being like Jesus, the risen Jesus, that we will no longer suffer. But it also means that we will no longer sin, that we will be pure, that we will be holy. 
We will be pure as he is pure. And we will be as, as he is because the Father has poured out his love on us and called us children of God. Sons of God. We will be like the Father's Son because we are united to that Son. We have been adopted into Christ Jesus by the love of God, by his Spirit. That is our hope, that we will be like him, that we will see him as he is and become like him. But this pouring out of the love of God in our hearts and the declaration of this adoption as sons of God has practical implications for today. It has practical implications about how you are to live your life. It's not just about escaping this world. We are to do something in light of this truth. And this doing has an effect on the world around us. Just as we purify ourselves in obeying the word of God, the world is purified around us. The created world participates and benefits from us being begotten in Christ, from us being declared sons and daughters of God. Christians are not escapists. We don't long for the day when everything is gone and only Christ remains. That is not our hope. No, Christ will bring all things to himself. All things to himself and will purify all things as he is pure. Our hope is that we have been begotten as sons of God, heirs of the world, to a life of purity and holiness. And as sons and heirs, we call the world into the pure life of Christ that we have received. And John begins chapter 3 with an interesting phrase. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. What manner of love? Now that could be translated, if you have a different translation, it may show up in there. It could be translated as from what country? From what land does this love come from? It is a foreign love. It is a heavenly love. It is a love that is bestowed on us from the Father in heaven. It is a love that is foreign to the world. Later in this epistle, John will make the claim that God is love. God is love. This love that he bestows on us is himself. This love that results in us being called children of God is the love that is himself. It is his spirit given to us. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Just as Jesus was declared to be the Father, Son in front of the world after the Spirit descended on him in his baptism, so we are called sons of God when the Spirit of love is bestowed on us. And this Spirit, this love of the Father and of the Son is foreign to the world. It's foreign to a world that is wrought with sin and death. This love is shown to us in the pouring out of the Spirit who is the love of God. And this love shown on us is the reason why we can be called sons of God, children of God. Romans chapter 8 says, For you did not receive the spirit of adoption again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We can only be children of God because the Spirit of God has been poured out on us. Because we have God's love, we are counted as children of God. Because the love that God has, the love, the Spirit, unites us to His Son. To His Son. 
And this is why the world does not know the Son. Because the Son, because to know the Son is to know the love of God. And this love of God is foreign to the world because it is still in sin and in darkness. Now the term world here is not talking about the the created world, the trees and the rocks and things like that. Again, this is describing the old age that is about to end. And it is also speaking of a general humanity that is still in darkness. So when we look at humanity without Christ, we look at people without Christ, a humanity separated from the love of God in Christ, we are seeing a world still under the old age without the once-for-all sacrifice for sins. The world does not know us because this world does not know Christ. The world rages against the church, Psalm chapter 2 says, right? The world rages against the church because the world rages against the truth and against the one who bears witness to the truth, our Lord Jesus. So when you flip on the news or when you scroll through your social media feeds and see the way that the world treats Christians or the way the world treats those who profess Christ, you can know that this is the normal response. This is, this is exactly what the world does. This is something to be expected. You must expect this response. And as a society becomes less Christian, and this happens from time to time, right? we have waves, we have ebbs and flows of Christian influence and culture. When a country becomes more or, or less Christian, it becomes even more hostile to Jesus and to his church. And when the church is put under fire, she is, re, she is refined, she is purified through this process. So the darkness actually never wins. It may look like the war is over. They may win a couple of battles here and there. But the war is guaranteed to be a victory. And that victory will be realized finally with the coming of our Lord Jesus, our King, on the last day. The Lord's appearing and our becoming like Him is the hope spoken of in verse 3. John says at the end of verse 2, And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, this is a rather interesting contrast from, if you remember last week when we covered verse 27 in chapter 2. It's an interesting contrast between these two phrases, right? The phrase in chapter 2 says, it has not yet been, uh, has not yet been revealed, or I'm sorry, the phrase in chapter, in, in chapter 2 is talking about how the Spirit gives us all things, teaches us all things. And now he's saying it has not yet been revealed. So there's something that has yet to be, yet to be taught to us, has yet to be, to be revealed to us. The Spirit teaches us all things, but one thing has not yet been revealed. And this isn't a contradiction. In fact, it is one of the keys to understanding this passage. The Spirit teaches us all things, and one thing that He teaches us, and one in which He will reveal to us on the last day fully, is what we shall be. That is one thing the Spirit teaches us, what we shall be. And how does the Spirit teach us about what we shall be? He has given us a new life to walk in. He has given us Christ. He has given us His law, His commandments, His word. He has given us something to do. In obeying the Lord's commandments, by faith, we are taught what we shall be. 
We are working toward what we shall become. We are fulfilling the purpose of our lives, the end of our life, which is to be like Christ. And what we shall be will be revealed to us perfectly on the last day when we see Jesus face to face. And this is because we are all being conformed to the image of the Son by His Spirit when we abide in Him by faith and walk in His ways. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And being united to this Word, we will most certainly be shaped by it into His image. And this is our hope, the redemption of our bodies when we will be made like Christ. And not only is it our hope, it's not only the the hope of the sons of God that we will be made like the Son, but it is the hope of the whole world. And Romans chapter 8 speaks extensively about this. It talks about creation being subjected to futility. Until when? Until now. Right? Until now. And it has been subjected to futility in hope. And what is this hope? The hope is that creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. But not only that. But only that. We also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So creation, along with us, is groaning and waiting for the redemption of our bodies when Christ comes on the last day and makes, makes us new creations in Him. And He is doing that in us right now. Creation itself longs for our bodily redemption and the coming of Christ. Creation experienced a taste of this, a taste of this final day in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But it eagerly waits for our redemption because with that comes its redemption from futility. The coming of Christ is truly the hope of the world. It is not only our hope, but the hope of all creation. And everyone who has this hope Everyone who has this hope of seeing Jesus as he is and being made like him purifies himself, John says. Purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. Now John here is talking about what theologians call sanctification. We've talked about this before. He's talking about sanctification, being made pure through faith and faith-filled living. And Paul uses this language in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, Therefore, having these promises... The promises in which we receive by faith. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is the faith of God. And just as you purify yourself by mortifying your sins, by putting to death your sins in your life, the earth is being purified by the ever-growing kingdom of God. The world mentioned by John is what, must be, what we must be purified from, right? This, the world is, is marked by sin and death. That is what we must be purified from. And the world needs that purification as well. So the work that you do, the, the fighting sin that you do in your life, the, the small incremental wins that you have against sin in your life, the putting to death the deeds of your flesh, the living faithfully according to the word of God, your faithful worship 
here on Sunday mornings and throughout the week is not only transforming you, but in transforming you will transform the world. And this is what our eschatology, this is what our last things should point us to. Faithful living. The hope of Christ's return is not an escape hatch. It is a call to action. It's a rallying cry. Live in the purpose that you have been given. Live that out right now. Live as Christ lived right now. If our purpose in this world is to see Jesus as he is and be made like him, if that is the end of our existence, if that is the purpose of life, and it is, then our lives should imitate that purpose. Our lives should imitate that purpose right now. We are to be pure as he is pure. This is the purpose of the law of God. To point out the sin in our lives. So that we would, by faith, be made pure in Christ. We are to be pure as he is pure. The Lord says in Leviticus chapter 11, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore, therefore meaning, I am the Lord your God, and because of this, because I am your Lord, you must consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the purpose of mankind. To be like Jesus. And this means, as much as it depends on you, do not sin. That is the, that is the direction from John. Just shooting it straight. Do not sin. John defines sin for us in verse 4. He says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So to, to sin is to transgress the law of God. The law of God expresses the character of God. So you cannot defile God, right? God is pure, God is holy, God is just. So when you sin against, against God through, by transgressing his law, you defile yourself. Right? You can't defile God, you only defile yourself. There is no darkness in God, he is perfectly pure and holy. But John says that Jesus came to rid us of our sin. To rid us of our sin. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So he took on human flesh and dwelt among us to take away our sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if he has taken away our sins, we dare not turn around and walk in them again. That is John's direction. If he has done this, if, if he has done this for us, we dare not turn around and walk in those sins again. Jesus has taken away our sins so that when he comes, we will be made like him. Without sin, holy, perfect, pure, complete. But this hope of our completion in Christ on the last day is to drive our life right now. John says, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, of course, John is not contradicting himself. He's not contradicting himself when he says that whoever abides in him does not sin. Remember, he, he begins the epistle by saying that if you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourselves. You're a liar, right? You have sinned. You will sin. 
That is, that is a, a common, common thing that we have to deal with, right? So he's not contradicting himself here. What he is saying here in verse 6 is that we, we are to not willfully sin. We are not to willfully go back to that way of life. We are, we are not to do that, right? So we have, we have Christ who has come to put to death all our sin, to, to make us clean, to make us like Him. And our, our duty here on earth is to not return to those sins, is to walk in newness of life. We are to live lives according to God's standards. We have been loved by the Father, made sons in His Son, and given the Holy Spirit to live like this Son right now. And sons respect their fathers. Sons obey their father's rules. Sons live with their inheritance in mind. Living a life worthy of that inheritance. Sons respect their fathers. So church, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us all? How foreign, how foreign and heavenly a love is this, that we should be called children of God. That we should be co-heirs with the Son of God. We are God's children right now. We have been adopted into His family right now, in time and in space. And as such, we should live according to that call. But it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Not in a full sense. Because we wait and we long for the return of Christ when we shall see Him as He truly is. Our hope is that we will not only see Him as He truly is, but that we will be made like Him completely. Even now we are being made like Him, provided we abide in Him by faith. This is the hope of the Christian life. So know that when you sin, there is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ. He took on human flesh, suffered greatly, spilled blood and water, broke his body for the forgiveness of your sins. He has, he has accomplished that already. And the new life that he inaugurated in his resurrection is the life that we must now live. The life of the Spirit, the life of purity and holiness. Take sin seriously. Take sin seriously. When we live in light of the hope of Christ's final return, we will necessarily prepare for that day. And preparing looks like purifying. Living pure as our Lord is pure. And this is what happens when we truly know Jesus. When we've truly seen Jesus. When we've seen Him truly by faith. Paul says, We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So a proper view of the end of all things, a biblical eschatology, a biblical eschatology should move us to proper living with the goals of our works being the advancement of the kingdom of God and, and being brought into the glory of God. The hope of our works is that the world will be made like heaven. So that the world is redeemed and brought into the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should want every corner of the world to behold that glory. And we do that by being images of that glory. The Lord uses instruments 
And we are his instruments. We image his glory in the world. We are to imitate the purity of Christ until we are made pure. And this living makes creation yearn for the same redemption. It makes the world desire what we have and what we look forward to. So in the coming years, you'll be tempted to compromise. You'll be tempted to relax your guards. You'll be tempted to maybe even give in to the pressures of the world around us. Remember that the world does not know you because it does not know Christ. So you should, you should look different than the world. You should look like a prude to your unbelieving neighbors. And you should look like a, like a joyful prude, right? You should dress differently. You should speak differently. You should act differently than the unbelieving world. Why? Not because we're better than them. But because we've been bought with a price. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And because our hope is in the coming of Christ who purifies our lives. And purity will look bizarre to a stained world. Have you ever seen a stain on a beautiful rug? It, d- it doesn't belong there, right? The same will, will, we will look the same in a world that is stained. A clean rug in a dirty house looks odd. So embrace the difference. Not just embrace it, love the difference. Because the Lord has made you different out of his love for you. You are not heirs to a dying world. You're not heirs to a sinful world. You are heirs to a world not yet fully realized. You are heirs to a world seen in the faith of your brothers and sisters around you. You are heirs to a world unstained by sin and death. You are heirs to a world full of truth, goodness, and beauty. A pure world. Because you are begotten as sons of God. As children of God. And as sons united to the Son. So little children, purify yourself as he is pure. For you shall see him as he is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.